Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And that's pretty much about all I have for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. And I'm so blessed and proud that I get to introduce the most amazing pastor, our pastor, Pastor Joe Source. Thank you. Oh, shucks. I bet you say that to all the pastors, huh? How are we doing tonight? Are you uh, wanting to hear the message for tonight? Are you looking forward to it? Good, because I'm not going to preach until everybody moves up front. It's a lot easier to uh, teach to a crowd that's together than to have a group that's scattered. And, and when, you, when you're scattered, and especially if you sit in the back, there's so much, it's so much more distracting. People getting up and using the restroom and who's running out to see their kids. And, and uh, especially on Wednesday nights, you want to really be, you want to be able to focus. Amen. All right? Amen. We're doing good tonight? I admire you for coming out in the miserable weather tonight. Um, I, 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 I'm trusting God that it's going to be worth your trip here tonight. And we are talking about and discussing the book of Exodus. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try not to go through it line by line the whole bit, but to, to study some of the principles, some of the events that took place, some of the lessons that we can learn and put into practice in our own lives. Just to kind of give a little bit of review, the Exodus story is all about God's people being set free so that they could transfer their allegiance and their worship, their affection, their adoration, their submission from Pharaoh to God Almighty. Amen. Okay? That's what it's all about. The entire book of Exodus, let me just clarify some things because it's gotten muddied throughout the centuries, and especially in the past century. The book of Exodus, the story of Exodus, the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, the story about Passover and all these things. It's gotten skewed. Well, God took them out so that he could form a nation. No, God took them out so that they would worship him. God took them out because he made a promise to their ancestor Abraham that he would always watch out for his, his children, his descendants. This, the book of Exodus is about God keeping his promise to an individual. I want you to understand that. Because when you take it on the political level or, you know, did the nation of Israel come into being after that? Of course it did. But you see, you and I can't relate to starting a nation. We can relate to worshiping God. Amen. Are you getting this? Okay. So it's all about the people of God having the opportunity to transfer their allegiance, to transfer their worship, because the Pharaohs set themselves up as gods and demanded worship. It's about them uh, transferring their affection, Amen. their adoration, their submission, and submission especially. Because you see, under Pharaoh, their submission is forced. Under God, our submission to God should be a result of our recognizing how much he loves us. Amen. Understanding that he does not treat us like a taskmaster. He doesn't relate to us as a slave master to slaves, but as a father to his children. And so that alone should cause us to want to submit ourselves. And that's not a popular word today in our society, to submit ourselves. And honestly, the biblical understanding of submission is to rank yourself under. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
you know, in, in, in all, in the entire scope of life on planet Earth, there is hierarchy. In the animal kingdom, there's hierarchy. Um, in, the, in the kingdom of God, there's hierarchy. God sets it up that way so that we work together, we rely on one another, we, we can cooperate with each other. Um, so God sets, sets levels of authority within the kingdom so that we have the opportunity to humble ourselves, that we have the opportunity to rank ourselves under. And obviously, we're all, all of us equally rank ourselves under God the Father. Okay, but, but look at it this way. Even within the Trinity, there is a ranking under. Jesus submits to the Father. Okay, Jesus didn't come to earth and say, okay, this is all about me. He said, I only say what my Father says. I only do what I see my Father do. He ranked himself under. Because when you rank yourself under in a level of authority... Now, I understand that mankind has taken this whole idea and, and created slavery out of it and created bureaucracy and created class structure that keeps people, uh, robs from their dignity and keeps them from fulfilling God's plan for their life. But in the kingdom of God, to submit is a good thing. And here's why. Because if you can't submit to somebody you can see, how are you going to submit to somebody you can't see? You catching this? So, so it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Now, have there been people throughout the ages that have misused that level of authority? Of course, of course there's been. Of course there is. But it doesn't mean it has to happen to you. Amen? Amen? So the Exodus story is all about God's people being set free so they could transfer all of that allegiance, uh, worship, affection, adoration, submission from Pharaoh to God Almighty. And our salvation is all about Jesus setting us free so that we could transfer our allegiance, our worship, our affection, our adoration, our submission from Satan to God Almighty. You say, well, I never worshiped the devil. Well, before we were saved, before we came into a relationship with, with God our Father, in a sense, we served Satan. We worshiped at the things that he put in our lives that we counted as more valuable than God in our life. Okay, so, so in a real sense, uh, we were under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. You might not have realized it, but we were. We're born into that kingdom. We're born in that darkness because of, of sin. If you come from the background that I came from, because of original sin. And the Bible calls it sin nature, okay? Uh, you didn't have to go to a class when you were a little child to learn how to say no. Am I right? You didn't have to go. You didn't go to night school to learn how to lie, to learn how to manipulate, to learn how to cheat, to learn how to steal. It came very natural. How many of you realize it came very natural? Nobody had to teach you in school. They didn't have a separate class to go how to cheat on your test. You figured it out. And some of us figured it out really good. So, because salvation is about us transferring, and I'm purposely using that word transferring, because all of us have allegiance to something. Every person on the earth has allegiance to something. Every person on the earth is, is, is setting affection on something. Every person on the earth has allegiance, is worshiping something. Okay, now, many of us come together on Sunday morning to worship God. We come together, we sing, uh, we, 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 we share love with each other and care for each other. And pray, we might pray for one another. We sit and we enjoy the teaching of the word. We, we set that time aside. But we're not the only worshipers on Sunday morning. 
There are many people that go out and they worship the golf course on Sunday morning. They might worship their boat in the summertime and out there and worshiping their boat and worshiping the bay and worshiping fishing and worshiping surfing and worshiping all those other kind of things. All of us are worshiping something. You, you have a house. Now, to me, a house is a very uh, practical, utilitarian, is that a good word? Thing. It's just about, it's about living somewhere. But some people have set their houses up as temples, as places of worship, and everything has to be exactly right. And if one thing's out of the way, it's like the, your worship is ruined. And, you know, the, the thought of uh, having to leave that house or having to uh, depart from these things, and, and especially if, if, you're, if you're that type of person, and God forbid something happens where you have to walk away from that house. I know many people's lives have been shattered because they didn't realize that they set things up as objects of worship and objects of affection instead of God. I'm talking about Christians. So, the way the Israelites needed an exodus from Egypt to get out from under Pharaoh, to get out from under slavery, to get out from under the kingdom of darkness, once you and I experience salvation, we then need an exodus to come out from among the ungodliness in this world. We need a Red Sea experience. We need a parting of the Red Sea so we can cross over and get to the other side and leave Egypt behind. I'm talking symbolically now because some of you are sitting there going, I've never been to Egypt. That's not a problem in my life. I'm talking about Egypt as the kingdom of darkness in this world. Okay? So we need to get away from that as much as possible. Get away from the influences of the world. Get away from the system of the world. Get away from thinking like the world, speaking like the world, acting like the world. Because if we do those things, we can only manifest, we can only create, we can only live out the world system. And the world system is chaotic. The world system is selfish. The world system that's in place is not there for you to prosper. The world system is there for you to be taken advantage of exploit it. Amen? And we've seen it all throughout history. And you don't have to go back that far to see that type of system exploiting people. It's happening as we speak right now. As we're sitting here tonight, there are people groups all over the world that are being exploited by others. And we have to get away from that system because you and I cannot live in victory if we're still slaves in Egypt. We have to get out of that system. God always, remember, we talked about this last week, God always takes us out in order to take us in. God never takes us out and goes, all right, just stay here. You're on neutral right now. Someday I'll come back and get you. He takes us out to take us into the plan that he has for our life. Amen? Amen? You catching this? Yes. All right. So as I said, once we experience a new birth in Christ, we are called, we are commanded to stop following the ways of the world and to become Christ followers. Romans chapter 12, very, very familiar verses of Scripture. Romans 12, verse 1. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, it all starts here. Your speech is a product of what you're thinking. I know we think, you know, we, many of us know people say well, they never think before they talk. But that's not really possible. We all think before we talk, even if it's just a split second. 
You hear what I'm saying? So, so when we hear somebody talk, it's really a reflection or a byproduct of what they've been thinking in their mind. So, so, so see, here's the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion will try to impose on you a way of conduct. You're supposed to dress a certain way. You're supposed to talk a certain way. You're supposed to, when you do talk and if you do pray, you're supposed to use a lot of these and thous. You hear what I'm saying? It's something that's imposed upon you. Well, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and, or I'm not supposed to do this because my church tells me it's not good. That's religion. You're trying to impose a set of rules and regulations or a, a, a set of conduct outwardly on individuals. In other words, if you want to be part of our club, you got to dress like this, you got to talk like this, you got to act like this, you got to do all these other things. How many know what I'm talking about? But you see, when you have a change of heart and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you and you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, he works from the inside out. And many times nobody has like, when I, you know, when you get born again, when I first got born again, nobody had to tell me it was, you know, you shouldn't be using filthy language. Why? Because whenever I'd be tempted to, there's something in here that's like, nah, you're not supposed to do that. You know, when you go to try to be nasty to somebody, you, eh, you know, that's not really the way to talk to people or treat people. There's something on the inside. Now, you, you probably do it anyway, but there's something on the inside that's kind of restraining. You, you know that. Nobody had to come and tell you, you shouldn't talk that way. You shouldn't act that way. There's something from the inside. Uh, are you getting this? All right. So. Now that we have said goodbye to Egypt in our lives, we should expect to see a transformation process take place, just like what I was just talking about. And that word transformation, that, that we, the word that we translate transformation in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, is that word metamorphosis. How many of you are familiar with the word metamorphosis? Okay, that's a process. We most closely associate that with the process where a caterpillar, they're ugly, aren't they? Caterpillars are ugly. I mean, they're beautiful. They're creation of God. They serve a purpose, but they're ugly. Okay, you very rarely see anybody painting pictures of caterpillars. They're hairy. They look slimy. They crawl funny. They're just creepy. But there's something that happens in that caterpillar at a certain point in its life. Nobody has to come and tell it what to do. It knows exactly what to do. There is a, a, a specific point in the life of a caterpillar, when it knows it's time to metamorphosize. <laughs> How do you like that one? <laughs> and so it will remove, listen now, listen, now, and now compare this to your life as a Christian. It begins to isolate itself. It begins to get away from its natural surroundings. It, it, it begins to encase itself in this little cocoon type thing. Now, now it hasn't died. It's alive. But it's changing its, its conduct. It's changing the way it, it moves. It's changing the way it lives. There's something on the inside that is requiring it to begin to change form. 
It hasn't been. There's nobody's come by and, 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 and kind of forced it. It knows what to do. It removes itself, encases itself, allowing for change. And when it comes out, it doesn't look anything like the creature that went into that cocoon. You catching that? That is exactly what the New Testament describes as the process that should be taking place in our lives. Our minds being renewed. Now, now watch this now. We're talking about the book of Exodus. Now, you, you, you study the book of Exodus, and I hope you do. I hope this has prompted you to start reading, because we've had like five or six weeks now on part one. <laughs> and you've had plenty of time to go and start reading that book. You could have read it probably four times already by now. And you'll see in the beginning of their activities as they're coming out of Egypt, okay, they're still acting like slaves. Because that's all they've known. That's all they've known. They've only known somebody telling them what to do, when to eat, when to sleep, when to get up. And God has to work with them through their leader to get them to change the way they're thinking. In other words, their minds have got to be renewed. And so in the beginning of their journey from Egypt to the promised land, they panic when there's battles to be fought. Why? Because they haven't been trained to be an army. They have been brainwashed into being slaves. And slaves are always operating under fear. Slaves do not take the offensive position. They're constantly waiting to be in the defensive position. And so you see in the beginning that they're, they're still thinking like, speaking like, acting like slaves. To the point, they're so brainwashed that as soon as a little bit of difficulty, and, and these are people that face tremendous hardship in Egypt, they come out on the other side of this thing, and as soon as they experience any little bit of hardship, they want to go back. Because even though they were slaves, and even though there was hardship, they knew the boundaries. And if you're not careful, and if you do not allow the Word of God to renew your mind and to get you to start thinking different, you will not grow. You will stay in that infant stage of early Christian, or just being a baby Christian. When I say baby, I don't mean, I don't mean in, in, a, in an immature sense. I mean just a young, newborn Christian. And you'll have the tendency to still think like you used to, speak like you used to, act like you used to, because you're very familiar and you learned how to tolerate even the slavery of sin that you were in. You will not, you will not, you will not want to break through that because you're thinking in your head, well, well, you know, I don't know what's on the other side of this thing. The Israelites, I'm sure, were petrified to walk through the Red Sea. You remember the story how it split. It split. And if you read the original language, it seems to indicate that the, the, the waters piled up on both sides and congealed. That's a scary sight. And we're not talking about walking through some five-foot-wide creek. We're talking about walking through what to them could have seemed like an ocean. Because from the point they crossed over, you can't see the other side. They had to walk through by faith. And they're slaves. They, most of them probably never went more than a mile or two 
from the little shack that they lived in. So so they're immediately challenged to start trusting this God who said, I'm going to take you to a land and you're going to inhabit cities that you never built. You're going to live in houses that you never constructed. You're going to drink from wells that you didn't dig. You're going, to, you're going to eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. And they could not imagine this. And so they're immediately challenged. Just like when I got born again, when I first got born again, when I first became a Christian in the spring of 1984, I look back now, and it is so real to me. I look back and I think to myself, if anybody could have possibly foreseen what my life was going to be like, I, I would have definitely went right back into my own lifestyle and went, there's no way I can do that. Just like those Israelites. If he said to them, we're going over, and we're crossing, crossing over where? On, on my horizon, all I see is water. I, I, you're telling me there's a land on the other side. I've never been there. I don't know what's there. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know who you are. They had to trust God. This was their first opportunity for them to think different. So, so when somebody came up to you before you received Christ and said, you know, man, you're missing out. God's got such an amazing life for you. He's got an awesome plan for your life. If you only knew the things that he has in store for you, you're like, it sounds wonderful, but I have no point of reference. But your heart's telling you. There's something in what this person's saying to you. I don't know about you, but that was my experience. This was extremely foreign to me. But my heart kept pulling me. There was an urgency, something I knew on the inside. I don't understand this all. I think they're all a bunch of kooks. But, but there's something on the inside that is, that is causing me to feel like I can trust this process. I hope, you, I hope you're catching this yes. to understand. And really, what does it come back down to? It comes back down to faith. Right. And what was Moses asking the people? To just have faith. Yes. What was God asking Moses to have? Faith. Without faith, you don't experience the promised land. That's right. Without faith, there is no metamorphosis. And so, so, so now watch this now. That little caterpillar has got to go isolate itself. It's got to go experience something that it hasn't experienced before. Because they're just caterpillars like, hey, and used to just going all over the place and eating all the plants it wants. It's like just enjoying the sunshine, going every place, climbing on this, eating your tomatoes, eating, just going everywhere it wants to go. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, there's something on the inside saying, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. You've got to go and get alone with God. And, and too many Christians never do. It's like a honeymoon. You've got to get off on your own. I don't know how, I, I don't know that this has ever happened to anybody. I know I would have never allowed it. What if a whole group of your friends on the night of your wedding said, hey, guess what? We're coming with you. I'd be like, yeah. I, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, we booked all the rooms right around you. We're going to be right... No. Well, we're going to have fun together. After all, you know, we've always hung out together. We're going to have fun together. I know, but my life has changed now. I'm pledged to someone. And I got to get to know 
that person. And a lot of Christians, they get born again, they say the prayer, but that's it. They never, now of course not you, because you're here on a Wednesday night in the rain. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You're here on Wednesday night in the rain. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's what God was saying. You guys have been so busy for 400 years. You've been building pyramids, building palaces, building monuments. Busy, 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 busy. And they never got to know their God. So he's saying, look, I can't take you where I want to bring you if you don't give me this time. Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship. And they were supposed to spend that time getting to know him. And unfortunately, the great majority, 99.99999% didn't get to know him. And they all died on the way to the promised land, except for two. Even Moses didn't make it. They got that poor guy so fed up. <laughs> you listening to me? Only two. Out of anywhere from two million to two and a half million to three million people, only two from that original group crossed over into the promised land. Only two. We need to have that same spirit that Joshua and Caleb had. Joshua, the one raised up under Moses. Joshua, the one that God chose. You're going to be the one to bring them in. Moses, don't worry about it. What happened to Moses? Joshua, what happened to Moses? No, don't worry about it. Moses is not going in. And he starts off, Moses, my servant, is dead. I think what he was saying to Joshua is, don't hound me. Whatever happened between Moses is between me and him. Now you pay attention to me. You're going to take the people in. You're going to take the, 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 the Israelites that were born in the wilderness, not the ones that came out of Egypt. The ones that came out of Egypt all died in the wilderness. It was their children that went in to the promised land. Don't miss out on what God's doing in your generation. I am determined. I don't care how old I am. I don't care how old I'll be in the future. I'm going to be in on everything that God's doing at that moment. I'm not going to get stuck in the mud. I'm not going to say, well, you know, we used to do it this way 40 years ago. That was 40 years ago. Now's now. That was then. You listening? Always be ready to move forward. Always be ready to go. That's how they lived. And God was teaching them that so that you and I would have that example. Sometimes they would stay in one camp for three months. Sometimes they would stay for just a few days. But whenever the cloud picked up, they had to be ready. Even the night that they left Egypt, he said to them, don't get comfortable. Eat this meal with your sandals on. Tuck your, tuck your, your, your belt. Get your staff. Because as soon as you finish, talk about fast food, as soon as you finish this meal, <laughs> leave this place. Leave this place. They were ready. You and I need to be ready. Whenever God says for us to move on, we need to be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. You catching this? Some of you looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. I trust the Holy Spirit to, to show you.
You know, Moses knew on the inside that he was born for much more than just hanging around Pharaoh's house. There was a voice on the inside. He knew. Made some mistakes. But if your heart's right, even the mistakes that you make, God will use in your favor. Learn that lesson. Learn that lesson. It's all about the heart. Everything, everything in this life with God all comes down to the heart. If your heart is right, and your heart is for God, and your heart is pure, even the mistakes that you make in your natural, puny little mind of making the wrong decisions, God will redeem those things and bring them back around, and you can get blessed. But if your heart's not right, if you have a wrong agenda in your heart, even the things that you do right will blow up in your face. All right? Moses knew that he was the deliverer. But Moses was not content to let God bring it to pass. He tried to make it happen all by himself. And he ended up postponing God's plan for 40 years. Moses was 40 years old when he killed that Egyptian. He killed an Egyptian. He saw an Egyptian just brutalized and, and just beat up another one of the Israelites. Moses tries to take vengeance. We talked about this briefly last week. He kills this Egyptian, buries him in the sand, but a pharaoh ends up finding out. Now, do we condone the fact that Moses killed this guy? Absolutely not. But he was acting on an impulse that he had on the inside. But he didn't come to the place of trusting God yet. You've got to let God bring things to pass. You know, I got born again in 1984. 1985, I'm ready to sell my business to go to Bible school. I knew in my heart that I was called to something. I could have never imagined it would be something like this. But I knew in my heart I was called to something. I knew. And when I say called, I knew in my heart that God's plan was for me not to just sit in a pew someplace or in a chair someplace. Okay? And so I, I try to sell the business. Get out from underneath everything because I'm going to go to Bible school. It didn't work. It took another 11 years. But listen to me. When I, when I finally, at the end of those 11 years, I look back and realize I was, no, no matter how much I wanted it, no matter how much I thought it was supposed to be now, I looked back and I went, oh my God, I would have destroyed everything and everyone around me. Yeah. You have to be patient with God's plan. He knows what he's doing. He know, and he knows, now, now watch it. During those 11 years, I learned a lot that I would never have learned if I would have stepped out and tried to make something happen earlier on. Complete disaster. I would have just been another statistic of somebody who tried to go in ministry, fell flat on their face. That's what Moses did. So now watch this now. He's 40 years old when that happens. Now he disappears. He's got to leave Egypt. He can't stay there anymore. Now watch this now. The people that he's supposed to d deliver, they're stuck now because this guy's not ready. And what happens? Pharaoh makes life 10 times worse for them. Now 40 years goes by, and he's 40 years, he spends 40 years in what the Bible calls the backside of the desert. And somebody described it as, as far away as he could walk. That's where God brings him. And then he, through, through a series of supernatural events, he meets his wife. 
and he meets her father. And her father's name is Reuel, which in Hebrew means friend of God. And this Reuel begins to mentor Moses. Not how to be the general of an army, not how to be an engineer like he was in Egypt. What's Moses' job? Shepherd. Why? Because he's got to learn how to shepherd God's people. Forty years. Forty years. So now he's 80 years old when the burning bush experience happens. You know, Hollywood, Charlton Heston, I think he was 28 when he made that movie. <laughs> 80, well, you know, Pastor was 80 years old back then. Honey, I don't care. Back then, now, 80 years old is 80 years old. At 80 years old, you're looking for golf courses. You're not looking for, to lead two and a half million people and have the responsibility of all their aggravation. 80 years old, he starts his ministry. But at 80 years old, he's ready. You listening? At 80 years old, he's ready. Time, you know, and we never perceive time the way God perceives time. And li- listen to me. I know what I'm talking about because this happened to me. During those 40 years, Moses had to come to the place where on the inside he was completely dead to what he thought he was so called to 40 years before. And it's only when he was completely dead. How do we know it was dead? Because God has to do something spectacular to bring it back to life again 40 years later. You catching this? When God revealed to me that we were going to start a church, I had already convinced myself, I don't have two years to go to Bible school. That's got to happen now. I don't have two years to go to Bible school. And my wife and I went over to somebody's house who I considered to be a spiritual mom. And we sat there and started talking, and, 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 and I was so mad at her. I was so angry at her. She gets up from the table. You know, we're sitting there having coffee, and she goes, you're too alive to this thing. And I'm like, what the heck? And so immediately, 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 I heard on the inside the devil's voice. She's just jealous. But then on the other side of me, it was like, you know, you, have the, you, know, you got the devil on this shoulder, the angel on this shoulder. On the other side of me, he said, shut up and listen. She knows what she's talking about. I was too alive to it. I had to go away for two years. It had to get to the point where it was dead. Because if I did not, I would have tried to make something happen instead of allowing God to bring something to pass. And let me tell you something. I'm not going to lie to you. That is one of the hardest things that I ever had to go through in my life. But I, I, I tremble to think what would have happened if I would have insisted. And let me tell you something. You can force your way through things. And there comes a point where God goes, go ahead. You won't listen to me? Go right ahead. I'll be here waiting for you when you fall flat on your face. But that's not the worst thing. God will let you do things. 
but they never bear the fruit. They never produce what they produce in God's timing. They'll never produce. It'll be a work of the flesh. You'll get a few little, little things, but you'll never, never, never produce what God originally intended. God never produces anything small. God always does everything in a very extravagant way. Listen, this Exodus story is our story. It's our story. You, you know, you, you, you might meet somebody and you think, oh, no, I don't know. This has to happen now. This is, this, no, no, you don't understand. No, I know this is God. Yeah, maybe it is God. But maybe you also need to let God develop you so that when you actually do step into the next level of that relationship, you're prepared. No, you don't understand. It has to happen now. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Can't tell you how many times I've heard that. This man right here can, can, can attest to this. At times we've had to say to people, we're sorry, we can't, we can't perform this marriage. What do you mean? I'm sorry. We just know. You're not ready yet? You're not prepared for this? And we know you're probably going to go ahead and, and get married by the justice of the peace or somebody, you're going to find some pastor that's looking for 50 bucks and he's going to marry you. But we cannot put our stamp of approval or endorsement upon this because we know it's not time yet. Say, well, who are you to say? Listen to me. Sometimes, and I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of you guys. I told you that the other day, Sean. I admire the two of you. Okay? But, but listen. Somebody outside, especially in a romantic relationship, can see things so much clearer than the people that are involved. Because you're not emotionally involved like they are. Are you listening to me? You guys are sitting here tonight like I'm talking, uh, you know, with subtitles underneath me that are in hieroglyphics. You catching this? How many, and I hope to God it's not the present relationship you're in now, how many of you wish that you had avoided getting involved in certain relationships at some point in your life? How many of you wish, and, and if your parents could be here right now, they go, I told you. <laughs> we tell young people all the time, trust your parents. They see things you don't see. Oh, you just, you just don't want me to be happy. Oh, no, we want you to be happy. That's why we're telling you, throw this bum out of the house. Oh, hallelujah. People outside can see it so much clearer. Business relationships. How many have ever got involved in business relationships that led to disaster? How many of you were told, don't get involved with that? And we did it anyway. And tens of thousands of dollars later, you're like, man, I wish I would have listened to so-and-so, and I wish I would have did this different, and I wish I would have did that different. I wish... it's, it's, it's all about submission, to submit, to trust somebody else that God's going to use that person for your benefit.
Because God does speak to people on your behalf. You listening? Moses had Reuel, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. If I'm not, we get to heaven, I'll ask him for forgiveness. <laughs> this man now, who wasn't living in the palace in Egypt, who wasn't sitting on a golden throne, who didn't have thousands of servants to serve him, had wisdom. And he taught Moses how to care for sheep. And it was the greatest lesson that he learned. My point is this. Moses might have got up every morning and said, man, I wish I hadn't blown it the way I did. I wish I hadn't made the mistakes I did. I wish I could have done. But at the end of that 40 years, he would have had to look back and say, man, I am so glad. Especially once they all came out of Egypt. And could you imagine him looking behind him going, oh my God, there's two million, there's two and a half million, there's three million of them. Everybody needs a rewell. Right. And watch this. This is so good. <laughs> you almost never meet your rewell unless you're at the backside of the desert doing something you think you shouldn't even be doing. Amen. And that's when God brings that mentor. That's when God brings that rewell. That's when God brings that person to teach you, to set an example for you. You listening? God sent me my real well in a time of my life where I had put the fact of being a pastor and ministry completely aside. My attention was just on caring for my family, supporting my family, creating a, a, a business so we can have an income, dry as anything. Completely satisfied with the thought that I guess I'm going to be slicing bologna the rest of my life. <laughs> but as long as I can take care of my kids, as long as I can support my household, that's fine. In that desert experience, God sends me real well in the form of a man named Pastor David DeMola from Faith Fellowship who went home to be with the Lord about a year and a half ago at this point. That man came into my life at the driest part of my life and became my real well. He taught me. He mentored me. He reignited the fire on the inside of who I really was. You need to search out your real well. You need to allow God to bring you wherever he needs you to bring you for whatever length of time he needs you to bring to that place so that you're ready. Because too many times, some of us don't recognize the real well when he shows up. I don't want to go into the next part. It's too much. I don't want to leave you halfway through that. So, let's stop here. Why don't you stand up? I want to pray for you.
Every one of us is either in the desert, coming out of the desert, or going into the desert. Some form or another in your life. Not everything always relates to ministry. It could be related to relationships. It could be related to maybe you're just stepping into becoming a parent for the first time. Maybe you just stepped into being an empty nester for the first time. In every facet of our lives, in every, in every season of our lives, there's always going to be a desert experience. And there's always going to be a real well who's been there already. And if you'll hook up with that one, God will use that person to help you, to mentor you, to prepare you, to teach you. And, and then listen, it's not always a good relationship. I'm sure there's many times that Moses went home to his wife and said, I can't stand your father anymore. (laughs) You better talk to him. And don't even think about bringing him here for Thanksgiving. Because he really got me mad today. You know, there could be those kind of relationships. But those are the relationships that God uses. Don't isolate yourself. And don't think you know everything. Amen? Amen? Lift one hand up to the Lord. Let me pray for you. You just receive it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every individual that's in this room and for every person that's going to listen to this in the future. God, give us the ability by your spirit who lives on the inside of us to recognize Reuel when he shows up. Father, help us. Teach us. Make us. We give you permission to make us to submit to your will, to submit to your timing to submit to your plans, your purposes, your desires. We open up our hearts to you tonight. Holy Spirit, whatever you have to do on the inside of us, work out the junk in our lives so we do not miss out on any season that you have for us. Father, we know that you reserve the right to surprise us. And sometimes we think it's going one way and you turn it around completely different. And Father, as long as it's you, we're ready for that. We're willing to accept that. Now, Lord, for every person, no matter whether they're in the desert, going in the desert, coming out of the desert, Father, I pray for an outpouring of your grace tonight over each one of our lives. Supernatural grace for a supernatural race that you've placed us on. God, I pray that you continue to reveal to us these principles. Lord, that we would never miss out on the season of life. And Father, for those that have missed it in the past, for those tonight that might be standing here saying, man, I made a mess out of my life. Father, we know that when we turn our lives over to you, Father God, the past is gone. And you make everything new. And Father, I pray that you encourage those that are are discouraged tonight, that are thinking that way. I've messed up too much, Pastor. There's no way for God to use me from this point. I've messed up too much. There's no way that I can have a good life. There's no way I'll ever have a good relationship. There's no way I'll ever have a good family or marriage or any or business. No, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop thinking that way. I command you to stop talking that way. You throw yourself completely into the hands of God and let him think, work things out for you. Father, we trust you for these things. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 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 God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. 
If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.